Conversely, if people are on the right in the church, the morality tale becomes, well, you don't want to be one of the nine who didn't come back, as the pastor wags his finger at the congregation. You are listening to Holy Words from Holy Cross, the sermon podcast of Holy Cross Evangelical Lutheran Church in Nazareth, Pennsylvania. We hope you find these words a blessing in your daily walk with God. Please visit us on the web at www.holycrossnazareth.org or in person at 696 Johnson Road, Nazareth, Pennsylvania. Well, whenever this reading from the Gospel comes around, there are two typical ways I've seen it tackled. If you're on the left in the church, the tendency is to focus in on the fact that it was a Samaritan alone, a foreigner, who returned and gave thanks to God. And so the moral of the story becomes, let's pay attention to what people outside the church are saying and doing. Conversely, if people are on the right in the church, the morality tale becomes, well, you don't want to be one of the nine who didn't come back, as the pastor wags his finger at the congregation. But both of those are incomplete. They miss the larger point of the story, which is that this is a story about healing. Profound healing. And so I want to take a little time and drill down into the story together. As the story begins, Jesus is entering a new town. And ten lepers wave at him from a distance, shout at him from a distance, and beg him for mercy, beg him for healing. Well, this is what you would expect. Leprosy caused you to be a social outcast. Not only was certain, were certain versions of that skin condition... Um, communicable, but it made you ritually unclean. So that you, not only could you not go to the worship of God's house, but anyone you touched could not go as well. It put you outside the boundaries of all good society. So these lepers were being very polite. They weren't going to come near the prophet, but they were simply going to address him from a distance and beg for mercy. And Jesus says to them, go see the priests. Now, this is the last place a good leper should go. <laughs> you don't go to the place... If you're ritually unclean, you can't go to the priest. But they obey. And as they're going, they discover that their condition is healed. But only one comes back. It is only after that one comes back and, praising God, throws himself at Jesus' feet and thanks him that Jesus pronounces that famous phrase with which the parable, end, or the, not the parable, the incident ends, which is, rise and go your way. Your faith has made you well. Clearly, Jesus is not talking about the physical healing because ten received that. Only one receives this blessing of Jesus that your faith has made you well. Why? 
What is Jesus talking about here? If it's not the physical healing that all ten of them received, what is Jesus talking about? He's talking about a relationship with Him. Only one returned. Only one came back offering himself to Jesus and so had an ongoing relationship with Jesus. Hank Hanegraaff was called the Bible Answer Man. He's been on the radio for 30-odd years um, answering questions about the Bible and stuff like that. He's been talking a lot of late about the difference between transactional Christianity and transformational Christianity. Transactional Christianity where we want our card punched so we have our salvation card and we can carry it with us all the rest of our lives. Or transformational Christianity where we are engaged in an ongoing relationship with Jesus Christ that is sure to change who we are. For you see, many of us know from what we are being saved. At least many Christians do. Okay? I'm saved from my sins. I'm saved from damnation. I'm saved from eternity, separated from God and hell. Fine. But what are you saved for? It's been an emphasis that's been largely absent from Christianity for a long time. We are saved for a living relationship with God. The forgiveness of our sins, even the cross itself, is a means to an end. God doesn't, Jesus doesn't go to the cross and die on our behalf just so we can be forgiven. It's so that we can be in relationship with Him and through Him with the Father. We are called to union with Christ and through that union with Christ, communion with God. And I love the way uh, Presbyterian Pastor Rankin Wilburn says about this. He says there's the huge difference. He says that um, there's two stories we tell ourselves. There's the story of extravagant grace and then there's the story of demanding discipleship. And he said if we go for extravagant grace without the discipleship side, it becomes very cynical very quickly because we become hypocrites. <laughs> If we go for discipleship without extravagant grace, it's just a long to-do list, which is frankly exhausting. <laughs> but when the two are held together, we are changed through this union with Christ. And this is something the Reformers knew, although the sons and daughters of the Reformation have in part forgotten it. I've got a few quotes for you here. Oh, those are my announcements. That won't help you. The Westminster Shorter Catechism, one of the chief ways that the Reformed Church teaches its children, just like we use the smaller catechism, what is the first purpose, the first question and answer in that book? What is the chief purpose of humanity? Answer, the chief purpose of humanity is to glorify God and to enjoy Him forever. To enjoy God. How do you enjoy someone you're not having a relationship with? Calvin wrote this. He said, We must understand that as long as Christ remains outside of us and we are separated from Him, all that He has suffered and done for the salvation of the human race remains useless and of no value to us. Therefore, to share in what He has received from the Father, He had to become ours and to dwell within us. For as I have said, all that He possesses is nothing to us 
until we grow into one body with him. Luther was less wordy than Calvin. He said it this way, the word became flesh so that we could become the word. And he was paraphrasing a guy named Irenaeus of Lyon from the second century, sorry, the third century, the 200s, who said this. He said, God became man that we might become sons of God. Back into the Bible. Here's what, here's what St. Paul says in 2 Corinthians 13.5. He says, Do you not realize this about yourselves? That Jesus Christ is in you? So the goal of the Christian life is, begins with hearing about our salvation. But that's not the goal of the Christian life. It's not merely to be forgiven of our sins, but rather to learn to abide in the one who already resides in us. The journey of this Samaritan today is the journey we all make. We are saved from our condition by an act of unmerited grace on the part of Jesus Christ. We are claimed back from that condition which keeps us apart from God. But then, but then we get to respond and be part of His life until finally we discover that His life is dwelling in us and it is the power whereby we live. The early Christians didn't go to death in the Colosseum because they were hoping to just be forgiven. They had an unbreakable relationship with their Savior. And I think that as Christianity becomes more and more um, misunderstood by the culture, it's forcing us to go back and rediscover that this is the heart of the gospel. This is what Jesus died for. This is what God has been so gracious as to give us is a living relationship with Him. And we simply learn, need to learn to grow into it as a community and as individuals. I'm so grateful I, I, that this is being rediscovered. And I found this out at Home Depot on Friday. I was at Home Depot because I'm in a constant quest to someday finish my basement. <laughs> and as I pulled in to return the part that didn't fit and get the part that would fit, um, I pulled in behind another minivan. But on the back there were two stickers. One was a fish. And that was nice. But right next to it was a bumper sticker that said, it's not a religion, it's a relationship. God has enough religious people in the world. He needs people who are walking and talking and living with Him so that His life can be born in them. Will you join me for a word of prayer? Gracious God, how wonderful to hear the stories of your will to heal and the need for us to return in thanks and fall at your feet and praise you. For in that, we're connected with you. Help us, Lord, not just here in church for an hour on a Sunday, but all the time to walk with you, to learn to rely on you through thick and thin to cling to you as Ruth did to Naomi, that we may discover that you to whom we cling 
are the one who has taken your place in our hearts and that you're transforming us more and more into your likeness, which is forever Jesus the Christ, in whose name we pray. Amen. Be thou my vision, O Lord of my heart, not be all else to me, save that thou art. Be thou my best thought in the day and the night. Waking or sleeping, thy presence my light.